0: Welcome to Idea City, the TEDxYYC podcast that highlights the people whose ideas are making our city better. I'm your host, Andrew Gilbert, and today's guest is Sean Hunter. Sean is the author of Calgary Through the Eyes of Writers, a literary tour of the city from its frontier beginnings to contemporary times. Her latest project, A Digital Literary Map of Calgary, marks more than 500 sites in the Calgary storied landscape. Sean served as the 2020 Historian in Residence at the Calgary Public Library, co-curated the exhibit Storied City, Early Calgary Through the Eyes of Writers at the Lougheed House, and helped bring Project Bookmark Canada's National Literary Trail to Calgary. Sean shares her passion for Calgary's literary landscape on guided walks, talks, and on her website, seanhunter.ca. Sean, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Andrew. It's great to be here.
0: So let's get right to it. Sean, what's your big idea for Calgary?
1: Well, my big idea is, um, I think uh, I'd I'd like to uh, push back on this sense in Calgary. um, We we have uh, this idea that there are only a couple of stories about this place, that Calgary is about cowboys and oil barons. Well, uh, it's not. It's a place of many stories. Uh, and so I think that would be my challenge to Calgarians. Um, I think uh, it's not just outsiders who box us into these prevailing narratives. We do it to ourselves. Um, but the city uh, is a storied landscape. Uh, it, it's been a storied landscape for millennia because it's been a gathering place, Mokinsis. Uh, for more than 10,000 years, a gathering place where First Nations peoples shared stories, we are just coming to uh, be aware of those stories. But we're also just becoming aware of our literature, our written literature. Um, so that's my uh, big idea. I think more and more people are... um learning that this is a literary landscape that Calgary is a storied place but I don't think it's something that we just know um, and so that's kind of exciting um, that is my rambling big idea
0: well that sounds pretty interesting so <laughs> why are our literary stories important to us as a city
1: well um, I I'm going to speak for myself. Uh, I'm a reader, and I'm a writer. So, uh, literature has meaning to me. Uh, when something, when a writer pays attention to a place, uh, he or she transforms that place. Um, it's, I've, uh, John Robert Columbo, who's done a lot of writing about Cal, uh, Canada's literary landscape says, a writer pays attention to your city or your town and it's like your town all of a sudden becomes a celebrity so there's something really magical powerful um resonant when you read a place uh through the eyes of a writer in a poem or a novel uh it's meaningful to me it's more meaningful to me as a Calgarian because I grew up here and I never saw the city on a literary page I thought that was normal. I thought that was just because Calgary was too new i mean there's no there of course there's no writer paying attention to Calgary because it hasn't existed very long, but it also to me as an adolescent um aspiring writer meant that Calgary was a lesser place because it didn't deserve it didn't seem to observe uh deserve um the attention of writers and of course um. Uh, I did some digging and found out. Of course, that's not true. Um, remind me of the question again, Andrew.
0: So I was asking why are our, our literary stories important to us as a city?
1: Right. So what we get with um, when a writer writes a poem or a novel or a short story, um, it's published, it's read, and then it is kept. <laughs> Somehow it's either kept in your grandmother's bookshelf or in an old stack of magazines or by a librarian, usually by a librarian. And it exists forever. It's there. It's part of our collect, it's our culture. Um, you know, when you when you say something, it disappears. When you have a telephone conversation, it evaporates. Um, when you write something on paper, it's printed, it's published, it's disseminated into the world. Uh, maybe, it's an, maybe it's an illusion, but to me, it's lasting. So when we look back over a literature, written, a body of written literature, um, to me, that's meaningful. Um, a reader's bias, a writer's bias.
0: You're allowed awesome. your bias. Yeah, we're, we're not here to judge.
1: Yeah. I mean, some people, some people would argue, well, they don't care about that. Um, And I, I accept that that's true for some people, but for me, I put a lot of value on the written word uh, and a lot of importance on it. Um, So there you go. It's a, it's kind of a motherhood thing for me. And I'm probably not defending it very well or explaining it, but yes, writing is important. It's how we know ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, This is how we tell our stories. Many ways to tell stories. Um, Writing them down and having them published is one way. And uh, it's a very important component
0: of a culture, I would argue. I could agree with that. Uh, I want to touch on something you said earlier, which is that uh, we sometimes box ourselves in. It's not just outsiders doing that. So why do you think we do that to ourselves? In why do we box ourselves into that category of lesser and unworthy of having a literary history?
1: Or or we just because we don't know. We don't know. Um I I when I say box in, I mean that um we box ourselves into those prevailing narratives. We say, yes, uh it's all about Calgary's all about cowboys and oil barons. Um you know, it's it's a branding exercise, right? It's also a reality, you know, this is the center of the Canadian oil industry, of course. Um, but it's, but we're more than that. So we do that to ourselves. Part of it is because this is a new city. It's also a city where people pass through. Um, it's, it's because of our economy, our boom and bust economy uh, in, in some places people stay put and in old cities a large percentage of people have stayed put for centuries not so in calgary so i think we're continually um people are continually starting from zero um in terms of what the history of the place the culture of the place and then they leave so um that's just the nature of calgary it's a challenge um but i think We're now a city, we've been a city of 1 million people since what, for a decade anyway. Uh, no, 2006, more than a decade, uh, 15 years. And there's a certain, something happens when a city reaches the size of 1 million people. More people are staying. And so more people are, are learning and knowing and, putting their roots down and, and understanding what the culture is and have some kind of collective memory that that's just happening. So, so yes um, we box ourselves in, we don't know we don't we, because we don't, it's a, it's a vicious cycle, right? Because we don't read our own stories, know our own literature. We think it doesn't exist. And therefore, we don't go looking for it. And therefore, we don't, you know, it's that kind of thing we get trapped into. Um, I'm very hopeful. I think in in recent years, there's been much more interest in the particularities of this place. And so people are finding that in various ways. And one of the ways is by um, being curious about the city's literature.
0: So, Sean, I'm really curious about this idea of this vicious circle you mentioned. We don't know because we're never taught, but how can we know? So how did you manage to step out of that vicious circle to try and bring us all outside as well? How did you first come up with this idea to to make this book?
1: Yeah, it started out really as a a kind of a personal project. Um, I was between things. Um, I was, it always had in my mind Uh, I was, I went to university in the East. I studied Canadian literature and, uh, one of my professors, uh, you know, and classmates, it was just a standing joke that about the Calgary novel, ha ha ha. There's no, you know, they'll never be that in Calgary, blah, blah. And so that always kind of like got under, it was under my skin. And, and so I ended up coming back to Calgary and I, got a job, working in a technical documentation and all that. And it was great. And trying, I had my trying to figure out my what my literary aspirations were. And uh but it always sort of bothered me. And um but I didn't really know what to do about it. So fast forward many, many years um uh between projects and thinking, well maybe this is the time. Maybe I should maybe I'm gonna go through my bookshelves. Because I had not even unwittingly, been collecting books about Calgary, uh, but I wasn't reading them. I wasn't paying attention to them. So I went through my bookshelves and I started, I'm gonna gonna do it, I'm gonna see if I can find Calgary. And it was a sort of this personal challenge. Um, Also had been doing some research for a uh, literary um, walk during a conference, a writing conference in Calgary in 2014, found myself down at the local history collection in the library and found an article um written in 1983 by uh, Alberta writer John White, who basically said the same thing. You know, Calgary's a place that authors have not paid attention to, and therefore it is not loved by authors, and it doesn't, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I thought, hey, that was 1983, and t- it's now 2015. Um, I'm going to see if he's wrong. I'm going to actually, I'm going to prove that he's wrong. <laughs> so it was kind of that kind of thing, these sort of i have been poked by a, very, a variety of sticks and it taken me, like these things do, sometimes they take a very long time to um, gestate and then, oh, there's an opportunity. So that's sort of how it was a bit of a challenge and it was also, I guess I just, I really, really wanted to find my city on the page. Um, and of course, if I'd been, really paying attention all those years like I would have been reading it on a page too I mean come on I'm not I'm not inventing this stuff I just happened to put two and two together started out as a blog weekly blog I realized I had so much material um and I pitched it as a book and so it just sort of went from there yeah
0: so by virtue of this book you've probably read more about Calgary than the average person I think that's safe to say how has all of this, the, the poetry and the literature, how has all of this shaped the way that you view Calgary now?
1: Well, um, I did not um, look at I, um When I, I grew up here, I left. I never thought I'd come back. I ended up coming back. Um, I was kind of like, you know, I'm happy to be home, wanted to be home. But there's a lot of things about the city that bugged me too. I just, there were ways that I feel, felt I didn't really fit here. Um, I wasn't working in the oil patch. Uh, I wasn't a really big stampede fan. <laughs> um, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's in me, it's in me the stampede. Like I I did go to, you know, I was sort of uh, educated as a child at the stampede, like many Calgary children are, but it just wasn't my Thing. And I saw kind of a calm, but I but I just knew as I got older, I realized, you know what, I don't think I could live anywhere else. Um and so what, reading the city's literature, I I was looking for the things that I love about this place: the sun, the sky, the Chinook, that changeable um temperature, the geography, the foothills, all that. Amazing stuff, the, the optimism, um, the sense of possibility. And I found those things in the literature. I was also finding negative stuff. Um, and I also wanted that too, because it's not, j- it's not Nirvana, Calgary. Okay. It's a complicated place. Um, so I set out to, to really take a wide view. Uh, to look at the beauty marks and the blemishes um and and some pass some works I found outraged me. They were so unfair and so cruel and i i had I just had to keep my eyes focused on it and say, No, this belongs in the conversation. all of it belongs so what the the end result of all this is that I feel much more deeply connected to my hometown. Uh, I feel um, that even though I didn't fit those stereotypes, those big stories we were talking about, I still belonged here, I belong here. So the reading the city gave me a deeper sense of
0: belonging. Now, I wanna to touch on something that you mentioned, which is, um having to decide what goes in, what doesn't. There are, I think, 160 excerpts in this book. How do you decide what makes the cut? Because I'm imagining that you've done a lot more than just 160 readings. Yeah,
1: I did. Um, But I would be lying if I told you I read everything and then picked, because that's not how it worked. Um, I, I had a deadline with my publisher. I told him when we shook hands on the book deal, uh, he asked me how much time I needed. And I said, I needed a year because I needed to look at some of the older stuff. I had done more contemporary stuff. Uh, I could have said two, I could have said five years, it could take me 10 years. I can still be writing this book, Andrew. So I had to, there were some realities there. um But, and some, look at some works are harder to excerpt than others. Um, the pieces that I found, uh, and I I say there, there was kind of a humming. It was a, it was something that resonated with me that said something true about the city. Uh, And of course, I'm the reader and I'm the selector because it's my book. (laughs) So you may, if you did a similar survey, you may have chosen other excerpts. But for me, this was the, this was the personal part of it. And I just said, well, I'm, I'm putting this together. It's my concept. Um, and I'm going to try to get as many different viewpoints. I was very interested. This is, um, this is a city known as a kind of macho place. I really wanted female voices in this book. So I set out to find those voices. I really wanted, uh, Uh, voices from other, um, other aspects of society. I wanted Cheryl Fogo's voice in there, her memoir talking about growing up as a Black girl in Calgary in the 1960s. Um, so I wanted, I wanted racial diversity. I wanted, um, sexual diversity. I wanted class diversity. I also wanted there to be voices, not just of people, um, uh who were passing through Calgary and writing about it, many famous people, Graham Green, uh for one, uh, Roger Kipling. I wanted, I wanted also to to uh include voices of people who call this place home. Um and so that became an interesting dynamic in the book as well. Uh no doubt I uh, I've when the book came out now it's almost three years ago, um I am still finding Passages. There's things that I didn't know about. I wish I had known about. Um, uh, there will, of course, anytime you you have to make a list, you're going to be leaving things out. So um yes, I I I did what I could. And also, the other reality was this book could not be 500 pages long. <laughs> that, that just was not in the publishers. You know, like after a while, okay, that's it. Good let's call it. (laughs) So, so it was, yeah, uh, always a conversation, but gosh, you know, when you read something and it, it sets off that kind of, Oh, that's right on. That's what I, that's what I was looking for every single one of those pieces. So don't ask me which my favorites are because I will not tell you (laughs) because all of them,
0: Bring right, i I promise not to ask you that question, but no. i I am curious because you mentioned reading things after the book was done and saying, "Oh, I didn't know that before. Um, maybe this is your chance of a little postscript. What sorts of information or what sorts of readings have you done since you've written the book that you would love to include in in the a paper yeah. that someday?
1: So my after um, uh, when the book was before it was coming out, I had pitched to Law Heat House the, uh, this idea for an exhibit about the 1920s um, literary scene in Calgary. And then I've since done a lot of research into the 1920s, and it was a very vibrant time um, and, you know, for writers in Calgary then, who knew. And um, I discovered pieces in that, just that little, those, that decade that I didn't know about. Um, a writer, Elaine um, you know, Catley, a great builder in the in the Calgary literary community. Her, she, her poetry is very dated, it's very Victorian. Um, but I found not that long ago, even after the Law Hanging House exhibit uh, last year, a poem that was published in the Calgary Herald called Calgary. <laughs> Like that poem should be in my book, you know. Another poem by uh, Calgary, um, and I'm trying to think. I think she was a theater critic in Calgary. A muse? No, no, she was a music, a music critic. And I can't uh, off the top of my head. I can't remember her name, but she wrote a poem called "Calgary of the Foothills." That was. Um, it was sort of an interesting response to. Pauline Johnson's Calgary of the Plains, which is in my book and was a very popular, well known poem. And this is sort of this counterpoint. And it was published in an anthology uh, about world cities, published, I think, in the 30s, maybe. And so Calgary is represented, you know, after Calcutta and before, you know, whatever, in this alphabetical listing of world cities. That poem should have been in my book. So, you know, there's all sorts of stuff like that. Um, just just hiding in the newspaper archives. The Calvary Herald newspaper archive was not fully digita, dig, available digitally until a year ago. So I did not have the access to that in an easy way. Um, and I didn't have time to do a lot of microfiche searching for my book. But since now it's just so easy to find and there's a lot, there's a lot. So that's just one little example of um, work that um, might have
0: been included in the book, I might have
1: included, if I'd known about it.
0: Woulda, coulda, shoulda, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, there you go. Uh,
0: in the research you did do for the book, what most surprised you, or what most made you stop and think, like, oh, wow, that's interesting. I never thought about that.
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to I'm maybe not quite answer your question, but. Um, When I was in the Glenbow archives um doing in the early days researching the book uh minding my own business and of course you talk to the librarian there and and all of a sudden she walks over and she brings me a stack of four folders called Calgary as others see us and the librarian at the Glenbow had been collecting those clippings and stuff from like uh, like a long long time ago and I found some amazing gems in there. Uh, I would never, you know, I never would have found it. I found one that's in the book by Agnes Valentine, a writer who I found nothing about. Uh, She wrote an essay for a a publication called The Colonizer, uh, published, I think it was um, a publication underwritten by the Mormon church, actually. Um, and it was, you know, it was very fashionable in 1912 to be writing, uh, pieces about how great these frontier cities were because they were trying to attract immigration. Uh, and she wrote this beautiful essay, um, about her experience of Calgary and it's in the book and it's wonderful. And it's about how she does not like this place because she arrives in the winter and it's freezing cold and, um, how her impressions as the Chinook wind comes in and the temperatures rise. And then she's seeing things and talking to people and her, impression, her impressions of Calvary change. This is wonderful. Like, I never would have found that. It, I, couldn't, I couldn't find the magazine. It, I, I couldn't find anything about it. I, I, maybe it only lasted a year. I have no idea. But somebody at the Glenbow clipped it. And put it in that file. Mm-hmm. So that that was just like, oh, <laughs> yeah,
0: <That's>, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised that something called Colonizer Magazine is no longer in print.
1: No, you no, know, I know exactly. Of course not. Um, but the, the the piece is called A Woman's Impressions of Calgary, mm-hmm. 1912. That's just wow, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And. It, it's interesting having that person write about the bad and the good at, in, in the same way that you do. I think you you bring, you said, you bring uh, a view of this sort of warts and all. So it's not all sunshine and rainbows. No. So what, what's an example of one of our literary warts, so to speak?
1: Oh, <laughs> our literary warts. Well, um, there are a few writers um, who... Who use Calgary as um, a symbol of a craven interest in money, right? That Calgary is just a place all about gold, digging for gold, and it's um, it's not a it's not one of the higher human virtues, right? Uh, So and 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 because we're we're kind of sitting ducks for that because we have a boom and bust mentality, and when Calgary is booming. It's, you know, the streets are paved with gold, and people go a little crazy. And we're a little manic. And we're kind of superficial. And um, so it's not surprising that writers would come uh, from other places, Toronto, um, and and notice that about us, about the city. And it's, you know, gosh, um, it's not something to be proud of, perhaps. <laughs> right? Um, so that's, that, that's interesting. You know, money Money is a really interesting um, topic for writers and what money does to people, right? And then all of the associated things, greed and et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, but that is part of the city. There's no denying it. Okay, we, we, we're in a different phase right now. Right? Do you even remember a hundred dollar oil?
0: <laughs> not really. I mean,
1: yeah, no. I mean it might come back, but it's not gonna come back. There's no way, right? Mm-hmm. But 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 the city behaves this this sort of a well, it's it's interesting. It's just interesting. And now, of course, if we want to look back at that and remember that about ourselves, we can read it in our literature.
0: Hmm.
1: yeah so that's a war that that's an interesting fact about calgary it can be quite ugly
0: well it's great that we've got more than just the sunshine the rainbows aspect of the city because i think that means that the book will stand the test of time you know it's not just pollyanna's in, in its attitude towards the city yeah um that said i am kind of curious about the feedback you've received uh, from your contemporaries and from people who who read the work. So what mm-hmm. sort of things are they telling you?
1: Oh, it's been so gratifying, Andrew. Um, I was, I think I've given over 30 talks in the last, since the book came out, and the, the launch itself was just so validating. Um, it was a month after the Central Library opened and we filled out, it was standing room only. So there's over 350 people there. Most of the writers in the city were there. We did not get a group photo, unfortunately, uh, but many, many other people. And so after all the, these talks that, that I've done and presentations, people come up to me um, afterwards and are just, um, are like, Oh, my gosh! I had no idea, and this is exactly what I've been looking for, And I didn't know what it was I was looking for. and people um you know, people in their thirties, you know, in their twenties, I've given several talks uh, at the University of Calgary to um, students in Aretha van Hook's classes. And after one of uh, my talks, um, there was a book signing afterwards, and young woman, very very back of the line, came up to me and held out her book to have it signed. And she just said, "Um, this book has made me feel less bitter. Um, So I just hold on to that young woman and what she said. And that, that has made all of, there was a lot of grunt work with this book that made all the grunt work, all of the headaches just completely fall away. Like that is really what it's about. If someone can connect, with this material and, and have it affect their relationship with this place they're living in, the place they call home, but maybe they're not quite sure about whether they're going to stay or, you know, that to me
0: is really profound. That's fantastic. Uh, And on the topic of getting people to connect with the material, uh, I know you picked a particular passage from the book you'd like to read off. Yes. Um, Would you like to uh, go ahead?
1: I would, I would. Let me tell you that this is um, an excerpt from a poem by Micheline Mailer, uh, it's called Downtown. And kind of fun fact about this poem, uh, Micheline Mailer was the um, our third poet laureate. Uh, and during her term as poet laureate in the summer of 2016, she um, participated, organized uh, a pop-up poetry event on Stephen Avenue and a few of her poet colleagues came down and they all they had their uh, manual typewriters set up and you could go up to them and ask them to write a poem about, for you about anything you wanted. And Micheline sat down and she must've had a little lull and um, she started typing a poem. And this, these are a few of the lines from this poem uh, called Downtown. City is a mixed bag of architecture bones lengthening skyward, veined by rivers and gasoline, sounding of the furies, metal in the throat. City grows up, an orphan out of the prairies, mimics tall grasses, wants to be tall as the mountains, but made of granite and glass. City has an ache, a basement suite, a solution, a dream of a better life. City is a ring, a road, a wheel, a scale, measuring quarters and bills. City is a compass some call home. City is a cemetery on a hill filled with chans and wongs. City is a kitchen of barbecue smoke and sticky tables of Alberta beef. City is of homeless men and cowtown fables. City is a car, a rancher, a stranger, a path, a paranormal in the Devonish basement. City is a place where that one thing happened that one time. You know what I mean. City is a father, then a grandfather, full of stories and cusses. City is a mother. City is a flow, a fella, a heartbeat. City pumps life under our feet. A few lines from Micheline Mailer's Downtown.
0: Now, Sean, what made you want to pick this poem out of everything else in your book?
1: Well, as I said, I've been talking a lot about the book since it came out in 2018. And this is one of the poems I've never read before. I've never talked about before in my talks. And because you asked me to come up with a big idea, and my big idea is that this place is a city of many stories, I think that Micheline's poem really reflects that. She crams all of the vibrancy and the people and the lives of what's going on downtown on a summer day in 2016 into her poem. And I think it, it's a really wonderful uh, evocation, illustration of just that—that that this city is 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 not one single thing. It's many things. It's made up of multitudes. Um, so that's why I chose it. And I think there's some really fun stuff in
0: it, and it just gets you
1: thinking. It shakes things up.
0: Yes, yes. And we should definitely end on that because that is the highest. Praise you can give to something. Before we sign off, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us today. We'd also like to acknowledge that Idea City was made on Treaty 7 land and was made possible by Hunter Hub for Social Innovation. This podcast was produced by Work Nicer, Andrew Gilbert, Kurt Archer, Simone Pabretza, and the TEDxYYC graphics team. Music for this podcast is by Sergeant and Comrade